Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi guys, welcome to The Hardline. Um, I'd like to say a massive thank you to The Swan Rooms at Staines for sponsoring this episode. With me today, I've got two coaches from Barker's Butts RFC who are going to introduce themselves. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Hi, I'm Emma. I am the new women's head coach at Barker's Butts. Hi, I'm Corinne and I'm one of the uh, girls section coaches currently in under 15s. Fantastic. And today we're going to be talking everything about juniors and the transition from juniors to women. So, Emma, you mentioned you're the new women's coach at Barker's Butts. Tell us a little bit more about the club and the history and sort of where the women have come from. Okay, so, um, yeah, appointed about 10 days ago, I think, um, after kind of an application, an interview, coaching session. So it was a really rigorous um, process, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And really what kind of sparked me to do it was the success of the girls section um having been a referee and refereed at Barker's numerous times you know I see how much importance they put on the girls section um the 13s 15s and under 18s and so because I knew the caliber of the girls that were going to come through and they didn't at that point have a pathway within the club Mm-hmm. So my aim is to help just that transition and working with the coaches, the girls, having that smooth transition as the boys do to the men's senior side, working their way through so they get to stay at the club. And um, that for me is a priority from grassroots. Your juniors should automatically feed your seniors. Um, so that was kind of the main reason behind me looking into the women's the women's side there. And you mentioned, you know, and it's a very, very valid point, the transition of athletes from a junior into a senior, which for some is is easy and others is not so much. Cohen, do you find a lot of your juniors are hanging around and, and are craving that transition? Are they definitely getting to a point where they're sort of going, I want to stay on? Well, it's all it, it's a new thing for us at the moment because the, it all started off the, the girls that it started off with. um you know, in under 13s and then moving up. A lot of them have all gone off to, say, a couple of different rugby colleges or um, within Lutterworth and Harbury, and some are all obviously now facing going off to university and stuff. So it's that that age group of the ones that are now moving off. Um, so it is still in its infancy for us. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they want to play. So, they, they, you know, they're already looking at university teams. Can they play when they come back in, you know, in the holidays and Easter, Christmas, um, at weekends, all that sort of stuff. So, yes, the ones that started at 13s and now moved themselves all the way through the junior section. And this is where we are now. And that's where obviously we've brought Emma in um, to be able to to give them that player pathway, which, like I said, the boys have had for years. And Barkers are really keen, like with their men's section, they've always always brought from grassroots and always filled mm-hmm. a first and second team from those grassroots. Mm-hmm. So we're really keen to keep that pool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are you are you looking to expand that section very quickly? What's the plan with the women? Are you currently recruiting? Do you have people there mm-hmm. at the moment? Okay, so um, we're definitely recruiting. 
Um, at the minute, we are unsure of numbers at all to know who's going to come from the 18s, as was mentioned about uni and colleges. We're hoping that now they have that pathway, it almost is automatic for them to come through. Um, because of social media and its positive state, we've had a lot of requests about new joiners from current players and from brand new players. So we're holding um, an Inner Warrior camp on June the 9th, Wednesday, June the 9th at Barker's at seven o'clock. And that is for anybody over 18, but anybody who has never ever picked up a ball before or people you know that are established players. And I'm looking to blend that between the two to have that kind of mix. It's great having all the juniors coming through, but you also need that level of experience um, to kind of bring them forward. A little bit of mentoring that, that needs to go on um, for those younger players, because there is, there is a jump from junior to senior rugby. Um, and we need to make sure that we kind of smooth that pathway for them um, in terms of moving forward. We're looking at hopefully um, some sevens games in the summer mm -hmm. to start us off. Um, and then our first game, my fingers are crossed, I'm aiming for October, which I know is ambitious. Um, but I'm aiming for October. And long term, this time next year, I want us to be aiming for um, league. Um, because you have to play a certain number of games before you can kind of enter the league. Um, so my aim is to get that number of games this season um, and hopefully more and then looking towards that league structure next year for, for the women and the players that we've got. Mm -hmm. And that, that kind of uh, growth and, uh, you know, I've been through it myself at, at Beck is that it's quite a, a frustrating stage and it's quite bold of you as a club to sort of announce very vocally that you've got this new women's coach without having the team behind you. Why did you choose to get the coach first before the players? Was there already appetite there? Yeah, I mean, because of the fact that they wanted, they saw that there was no route for the under-18s to go into. And we, you know, we knew some were going to um, university and they would just naturally fed into the surrounding areas teams. But I think because... And and a lot of it is around, obviously, the expectation of how you set a women's team up and what that women's team have. And, I mean, I was very vocal, and you probably both agree with me, around women's teams not necessarily a women's first 15. The, the facilities that they have and the player welfare reflecting the first 15 men. And mm -hmm. it was very vocal around, you know, all these coaches, apart from myself and two others, you know, they're all dads. And there's an expectation there of, well, you know, my son gets this if he moves into the 15s. The girls should should have the same. Um, I think that's really driven the club to be able to say, well, actually, we want to provide that facility, want to provide that player welfare. And we've always, you know, we've always brought through all these grassroots players. Um, and we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of this new sort of journey that's happening with women's rugby, albeit for some of us, it's probably another kickstart that we've that we've been through. Um but I mean, when I was their age, I wasn't able to start playing until I was 18. I mean, I'm only 32 now. It's not necessarily a, a massive time away with someone you think some people I've played with have played for like sort of 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And they've seen the way that the pigs and troughs have happened with the Lakers game. Um, but they just wanted to be, they wanted to grow their own club, their own players like they do with the men's. And 
and that is the, the, the pathway that we've um, that we've gone into. And it's not we've not gone into it blind either, because obviously, mm. again, being an ex-ladies player, being part of teams that have folded or started and folded, it was very much this is what you're going to have to do as a baseline. Um, and the first two years are really going to be tough and you're really going to have to dig it in and, and do it properly. And one of the first things of that was we've got, you know, we've got a senior ladies coach that's experienced. Yeah. And, and and this is the start of what the expectation is. Fantastic. Do you, uh, in coming back to that kind of sort of transition phase, you mentioned there that some of the parents, their expectations of, as a club of what sort of facilities you were providing. How do you find the pressure of that? Because you've got a lot, you've got a lot of juniors, and then having a lot of parents involved in that environment as well. There's a lot of expectation as to what you're providing, both coaching quality, facilities, etc. And that must be quite quite tough to handle from a junior point of view. I mean, from a from a girl section, we've got parents who, you know, they, they've got sons that have already played the game, so they fit into the general sort of mini and junior, um, you know, spectator parent sort of. Um, you know where they are at the moment and but then we've got some girls that haven't got brothers that play and they've just literally played rugby and the families have never really been around rugby before and I think I probably find their expectations a bit different um mm -hmm. but at the same time it, it can be a positive because it, it almost says you know sort of stand up and and step up a level it's not what it you know it's not this old bumbling this is what we do this is how we coach this is how we do that this and the other there's a new yeah. expectation now because they're watching podcasts they're watching the women's games the men's games they're watching coaching bits and pieces and and, and you know people talk about it and how the game's evolving and how the rfu are, are pushing new ways of coaching and stuff like that so their expectations sit around there um, and i think probably some coaches coach the way that they were coached Mm -hmm. And obviously the game's moved on quite a bit, so it's finding that balance. It, it is, and it's probably something that you, Emma, are, are very aware of as a coach as well, and particularly taking this role. I guess you've gone into this possibly thinking, how can I do this in, in the best way possible, that not only me means that I'm part of it, but I can be the foundation of making sure it's done well. Absolutely. I mean, one of the questions that I had on interview was was a really interesting one. And it said, um, how will you coach the women's team differently? And I said, I won't because they're rugby players. So from my point of view, everything I will deliver would will be the same. It will be, you know, those high expectations and, and having as cause being a player and being through the system. There are some coaches who are amazing. There are other coaches who coach you differently because you are female um, and sometimes that can be frustrating too and um, so like you said about having coaches I've had quite a few over over my playing years and my coaching you know years alongside and I've picked the best bits and I think for me that's that's a really important bit that you see the bits that are good um, and you're kind of very self-reflective and I'm very much about player evaluation and at the sessions at the end of the sessions i'll ask well, which bits were good why were they good you know what do you want to see next week um and the club are backing me with that 100 percent. you know they have they've agreed that they're going to put me through my level three because i've done my level two they're going to put me through my level three which to me is a long-term commitment yeah. to the team as well as to me but more importantly it, it's a commitment to the team um they've said you know that, that we're on a par 
that there is kind of no difference in terms of expectations for the women's team, which is a bit of pressure at the start because, you know, I've got to really hit that ground running. Um, but already, you know, I'm trying to get more involved with the girls. So, you know, I mean, been invited to come and look at some training sessions on a Tuesday. Um, and I'm going to try and get to a couple of games where if possible before the end of the season, just so that I'm out there for all the girls coming through. And I know um, working with the RFU, there's a real thing about hashtag see it, be it. Mm-hmm. And actually the girls can then see us as players. Uh, I may or may not put my boots back on. Um, at the minute, it's a no, but but we'll see if the bug gets me back again. Um, but it is about actually those 13-year-olds. Well, look what can happen at Barker's if I stay here. Not only can I play first team. You know, but also there's coaching roles, there's coaching pathways, because not every girl at 13 wants to play at that level mm-hmm. you know, forever. So it's about actually, can we put them through as referees? Can we put them through as coaches and look at the holistic player and the holistic girl rather than, right, you're going to make a first team scrum half at the age of 13? Because to me, that that's not the way forward. It's about making sure those girls feel happy and safe playing rugby and they, they enjoy it you know and even if when we get to our age cause if we don't enjoy it we don't go yeah. you know so definitely players vote with their feet and we find that in the women's game quite a lot that you know like you said there is definite peaks and troughs um I've been quite lucky with my playing career um I was at Mosley for, for a, a long time um until an injury stopped me but, you know, we had a really good setup there and a really good number of players. Um, and that's kind of given me that motivation that actually that I know it can be done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, something that I've, I've had many conversations uh, about this with various different people is... I think at the moment the women's game is booming, which is amazing for all of us involved. But when you've got a coaching structure and a club structure that only facilitates the male game, you sort of need to think differently. There's mm-hmm. a big sort of cultural shift that needs to happen and, and behavioural shift that needs to happen because as a, as a player right now myself, a lot of my decisions are based on how I feel on the day, who's coaching me, who's refing the game, whether it's rainy, whether I've, um, you know, I'm on my period or all these other things yeah. that, that men don't think about. Yeah. And you, you have to try and think like that, that athlete. You have to try and think like that player and go, what, how is she feeling today? Or I know that, you know, Lucy's not very good at running but half the session we're going to be doing this and I know she's going to hate it. And I just think at the moment we've got to encourage more women, not just getting into the game, but also coaching the game and refing the game. And, and as you say, being seen and available. Are you definitely getting that, that feeling from the girls that you have, that the more representation they have, Corinne, the, the more that they sort of getting involved and getting their friends involved? There's, there's definitely a difference in, the ones that are in, I don't know, I think coming as a female coach and coming from the game, I've got a very different view of, like you were saying, about sort of how the girls probably feel and um, on the day or how they're being coached, you know, when they turn up just on a Tuesday night after school and, you know, they haven't seen each other all week and um, we're all having a catch up. Um, and I'm probably not 
as strict as maybe some of the the other guys are because they're literally straight in like like that lad straight on the pitch get straight mm. in doing this that, and the other and it's almost like a probably like a cult session um and there is a difference between the way that i coach and the way that say the dads that coach um but then when we sort of come together it's nice because sort of last year i ended up being able to sit with two of the guys uh, before they moved up so we had, mm -hmm. ended up having a year together where i sort of managed to find that nice balance of mm -hmm. you know sort of getting on doing the task ensuring that they were a driven team but at the same time having that that empathy and you know the, the guys that i coach with are you know they have they've got that empathy to to the girls you know because they're their daughters at the end of the day mm -hmm. and then either they're sort of 60 odd that aren't um so it's not that they, they're not they've not got a finger on the pulse or anything like that they're they're there um but i definitely think being a female player it's there's the slight different expectation of maybe how they behave how they bond on the pitch mm -hmm. how they bond training um how they you know how how they're behaving on a a game day like you said rain i mean I, I never i deal with rain if it started raining when i was playing i loved it or when i was training i loved it but if it was raining before i went out on the pitch i was like i'm not feeling it yeah not not a good day because <laughs> you hit the floor and it's like oh, it's cold and it's wet and you, you, you know terminology sounding like a right you know right wimp but it's cold but then when you when you're running you just don't feel it there's no sort of acknowledgement to it so like you said, they are, they're all different. And I mean, they're all different age groups as well. Like the 13s are all really bright and bubbly and happy. And, and then they get to like 15s and they've, they're going through so much in life at 14, 15. And sometimes they come and they're like, I don't want to be here. I was made to, I was made to come out on the pitch. I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not, I don't want to be here. And you can see that. And others are very much, I'm driven. I want to be a driven rugby player. Um, I'm, I'm hundred percent at training every day. And, and others are just like, I'm, I'm hitting my mates, I'm, I'm quite happy. And then they move into the 18s and it almost ends up and evolve. They evolve into this sort of driven um, mm -hmm. machine. And, and, and they're just, you know, some of our senior 18s are absolutely amazing. And they're part of, you know, some have gone off to Hartbury, some have gone off to, they do Worcester every now and again. And, and they're like proper full on driven. And there's a difference between them and the more junior 18s because they're still sort of similar to the under 15s. So yeah, like you said, being a female player, you have the empathy to pick up on that. Um, mm -hmm. So I wouldn't put it past any, you know, any of the dads that I work with because they're on it. <laughs> They've got daughters. Some of them have just got a load of daughters, so they are full on it. Yeah, it it it's always I find the kind of life cycle of a female rugby player really mm -hmm. interesting, and that kind of peak and trough of different ages and and it comes down to i guess the physiology of a, of, a, of a woman really when you're jumping through that age of they're going from 13 to 15 where life is all over the place and you know your hormones are all over the place and you're not quite sure who you are or what you're trying to do and then you get to an age where you become more comfortable and that is around 17 18 19 yeah. where you're going to college or university and, and you've kind of solidified yourself. And, and I have to say personally for me, when I then got to 25, that's again when I had another trough and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And we've certainly found at our club that that age group of 25 to 29 are the group that we're now retaining on, on the basis that they've now gone through those two 
really important stages in their life that now they know exactly what they're doing and they're they're there to stay and I think important for coaches to really understand that that's important for a woman and I'm not saying it doesn't happen to, to the men but for the women it really does make a difference on whether you do or you don't play whether you go to another club you know I could have a bad day and then decide I'm off I'm going down the road to Ironsides you know um, simply because at that moment a coach has put me under too much pressure to make a decision or they've done something that's made me go I'm out and I think it's understanding that and we need to get to a point where coaches are a bit more as you say Emma like understanding how the female player works Do, beyond when you're in a league in the next two years what's the, how many what's the plan what's the kind of five-year plan as it were um I guess that's really difficult without knowing where the first two years are going to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, ideally, I'd really like to be able to reflect the guys and have at least two teams. Um, now, I know that is really, really ambitious, um, especially in Warwickshire, because we have a number of women's sides in Warwickshire. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a lot about going out there and and actually people joining us because of our reputation. And that will be built over the first couple of years within within the women's section um, and getting out there and, and playing. And about, you know, how the players buy into the coaching style, the, the way kind of we want to play. And yes, as a coach, you have an idea about what kind of a game you want to play. Um, but it's about those players that you have. And going back to your point about kind of player retention, one of the, one of the points for me is around obviously in a, in a women's side you will get times where your tight head prop decides that that now's the time to start a family now's the time to have a baby you know and so right we've got to fill that position so it, it's it's it is about kind of succession planning as well and not pigeonholing and you know I've played and I've played anything from front row I had a season at scrum half and I was horrific. I was the most kicking scrum half you've ever seen. Um, and it's definitely not a position for me. Um, and I came back after about 12 weeks having my son on the wing. And I was probably the biggest winger that anybody had ever seen. But I did it because I wanted to play. You know, I was never a sidestepper. I loved the rain and mud before it started because it meant there would be loads of knock-ons, loads of scrums, and I didn't have to run very far. So for me, the run before the game was exactly what I wanted to see. Um, and I just tell the girls the mud's good for the skin and it, you know, and it, and it's, it's grand. Um, so five years that that's kind of utopia about the fact that, you know, all the girls that will come from 13 and at 30, they're still with us and they're still either coaching or playing or involved in the club in some way. Um, but I guess the next 18 months are kind of going to be critical really in seeing, seeing where we're at and already touch wood things look good and I'm getting Facebook messages I'm getting you know WhatsApp saying when's training um the school I teach at um we've got a, a girls side um, which I'm leading from September so I'm going to be coaching the, the first 15 at school um and already a couple of the girls who have turned 18 now are like oh miss you know what club where are we going so there's a there's a pathway there too so it's not just about recruiting from in the club I think it's really important that we are much wider within the community um, than just looking at, at what we're bringing through the club because I think it's good to have a mix 
you know for the girls as well and for the women variety of variety of life really Definitely. And I think all these different sort of pathways you've got, whether it's the local schools, whether it's people moving to the area or changing clubs, you, you set up a very nice pathway that enables not just for senior women to join the club. And, and you know, you, you are one of the many clubs that has the luxury of a junior section because there's, there's quite a few in London that don't. Um, you have that ability to, to find the variety that you need as well within a side and you can get that whether it's you know I, I always find as us as as seniors we struggle to find players who want to play in the front row or we struggle to find girls who go oh my god I, I've got to lift someone I, I this is not what I signed up for and I think what you you've the, the beauty of what you guys have got is you can coach the juniors into those positions in a nice transition from being a junior because they've been around and watched the games and they understand it. How do you find that kind of mindset of those girls when you're coaching them? Do they know, are they currently training in particular positions? What What's the setup? I think, I mean, for me, in the 15s, because from under 13s, it's more still than running in a line. Yeah, yeah. And 15s is like a big step up for them because the boys have sort of had a year in between um, and they jump up in, you know, 14, 15 and they're having to learn line outs, malls, um, you know, really push the scrum with more players in and then moving the line, you know, with team runs forward and forwards and backs. And it's mm -hmm. it's a whole new complexity to them. Um, and it's trying to break it down. Mm -hmm. move into it nice and slowly and then pick up the next sort of complexity and the next and the next yeah and, and to be fair we had quite a giggle with it um just before the pandemics we were lifting tackle pads trying to do line outs and it was oh, i'm not being lifted and, <laughs> and you know, at this point of, we're only lifting tackle pads at the minute we've not nominated anybody to lift whereas my lad's the same age group of what I, as what i coach because i moved into coaching because one of the girls at 12 moved away um obviously where they split off at uh, under 12s and I went moved to Barker's to start coaching her and be able to, to watch him play at the same time um, and then it's it's really different watching them both evolve because mm. with the girls obviously with the lads it's sort of a, a gradual sort of build up and you're doing a bit more of this and a bit more of that and the complexities whereas the girls it's sort of almost like a big right wumpf you're there you're now mm. doing like sort of full scrums. You're now doing where they did three before, three on three or five on five. Um, and that, again, was dependent on who they were playing because of, you know, player numbers. They might have only done three on three scrums because teams mm. that we played might not have, you know, had a full 12. They might have just had 10 asides. And, um, and, and so it is a big, and, and I think because Barkers has got such a big section at all age groups that when we do go away and play with a squad, sometimes they don't have, um like a full a full squad so we end up knocking some players off so when they then move into 15 it's the complexities it's trying not to make them seem overwhelming mm -hmm. so like at the moment we've sort of almost started again with trying to introduce those so we're going back you know back and forward forward pods just teaching the forwards to run through the back row into pods and you know that's all like really new to them and it's mm -hmm. it seems really easy for us because it's obviously something that mm -hmm. we sort of started off doing but for them it's almost like we're not running in a line I don't get back into the line I move in a three and then that three is dependent on whether there's another three ahead of me and it's really getting them to think and read the game and it's that game reading and then playing and then a line out I think line out's probably the, the 
easiest thing for them or a mall. <laughs> so, yeah. Trying to get everything else in. But again, if you, if you don't play a full squad again at, at that age group or with the COVID rules, they've not been able to do anything mm -hmm. like that line out. So, of course, it's been on the back burner. Just yeah. And I, I, tension at the minute, that's what we're looking at, just retaining them through yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. And then once we have, and through the play, and through the roadmap and return to rugby, then we can really start getting our teeth back into things like line outs and everything. Yeah, I, and I completely agree. I think the the pandemic has not done rugby any favours. I think it has made a lot of athletes actually question whether they want to continue playing or whether they don't. We've certainly lost a few because people have had to move home and, you know, then they're not in London anymore. So they've gone to another club. And I think for the your girls in particular, it sounds like they're so, it's almost as if they were on the right track to going and then now they're back again and it's getting themselves into that that mindset. So come September when the season starts, you guys are kicking off as planned. Is that the case? Are you guys just going to get back into the league as it yeah. was? Yeah, that, that's that's our understanding. As long as, as long as the RFU say that that's okay and the roadmap goes in the right direction, that there's no reason why, you know, we're not desperate to start the season the, the same as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And because I, 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 the only reason why I ask is because some clubs are actually changing how they would have gone into a league. And I've had a, a few women's clubs on, on the last podcast who sort of said, actually, when we're not going to join a league, whereas we thought we were, actually, we're not as ready as what we, we thought we were going to be. And that making that decision, I think, is brave um, for any club. But also it's, I think that that means that you get that extra time that we didn't have through COVID as well. Yeah, I mean, you have to find the balance because I think if you don't, if you have got players that want to be competitive and you don't join a league, they will then go somewhere else to find that competitive rugby. Um, so for me, again, it goes back to knowing your players. You know, yeah. have, have the players made that decision themselves? You know, it's no good the coach or committee or whoever else making that decision without that player input, especially, it is especially within the women's game because we've had a conversation because about women will question why more in training sessions. Why am I doing that? You've told me to hit her there or to do this and this this move, but why? And there's a, there's a lot more kind of deeper understanding, I think, having, having played and yeah. coached both because I also coach senior men's rugby and they kind of just do. You know, oh, yeah, OK, at this point in the field, we do this. At this point in the field, we do this. Whereas with women, it's, well, actually, how about this? And, and you know, it definitely is more of a collaborative approach in terms yeah. of player delivery. Um, but I think you have to find the balance. If clubs have got their pre-season right, this has been the longest pre-season I have ever been involved in in my life. Um, and I'm just glad I'm not playing now. <laughs> but, um so for me, we should we should be more than ready in September if if we've done our our weekly planning and we've done you know our long term planning, then absolutely there's no reason why we're not ready to go in September. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Well, I'm going to round off with your grassroots rugby hero. So Corinne, I'd start with you. Who is your grassroots rugby hero? So I started. I got into rugby. Obviously, my granddad got me into watching the rugby and whatnot. So for me, it was always always that age where Johnny Wilkinson, he's kicking, he's tackling, everything like that. It was amazing. And then when I started looking at the ladies' section, it was probably looking at sort of a couple of the Vickies or like Maggie Alfonte and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's when I started going and watching, which was pretty cool. Fantastic. And Emma, your grassroots rugby hero? 
Am I allowed to have two if I'm really yeah, clear? Yeah, you can have as many okay. as so from a player's point of view, um, I had an amazing coach at Mosley, Terry, um, who kind of took us through and, and kind of coached how I really enjoyed coaching. And he made us all want to play and he got a really good bunch of girls together. So from that's from a personal point of view, from kind of a grassroots, I've been watching Vicky McQueen go from player to growth and the whole Diddy stuff and, and the way she's kind of got everything out there from, from the little ones upwards, all about having fun. And, you know, this, this is not a plug, by the way, but that's exactly what ex-players are brilliant for. Because, again, it's you can see it that that's that pathway. She's been at that the highest level you can be. But then she's with little 18 months, two year olds running around with a little tiny rugby ball. And I just think that's fab to see. We had the club um, probably about two seasons ago. And the yeah. girls were so interested in questions and, and everything. I think they yeah. just, just before they won the national title, and she was just like, yeah, just the amount of questions got filled, it was brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on, guys. Again, another big thank you to the sponsor for this episode, The Swan Rooms in Staines. A massive thank you. Um, we will be back in two weeks. Thanks, Lucy. Bye. Bye. Bye.